Hi, everybody. Welcome along to episode 81 of Percussion Discussion. As always, please check out our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, our world-famous YouTube channel where you can find all of our interviews. Uh, you can hear and see us on there. Uh, please subscribe if you get the chance. It only takes a couple of seconds. It helps us immeasurably. So if you could really appreciate it this way, you won't miss any of the upcoming great interviews that we've got. If you prefer to listen on the go, then you can find all of our conversations in podcast form. And these are free to download on uh, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. So if that's your thing, you know what to do. Please leave us a review. It takes a couple of seconds. Just a couple of kind words would be very much appreciated. Now then, uh, on to today's guest, um, a name that might not be too familiar with many drummers out there, um, a guy who had um, a, a huge chunk of his successful career in the 80s and early 90s. Um, anybody who knows me knows I have a mild obsession and fascination with Live Aid and uh, anyone who's associated with it. And this guy is associated with it. He played um, through the 80s for a long stretch of the 80s for the genius that is Nick Kershaw, uh, including a Live Aid performance. Um, he also then went on to play for All About Eve and then did some years with Delamitri as well. Um, so pretty good pedigree there, I'm sure you'll agree. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome the fabulous Mr. Mark Price. Oh, that's uh, my pleasure, Matty. My pleasure. Well, it's, uh, I appreciate you giving your time up, especially on a Friday evening when there's plenty of other things you could be doing uh, out in the pub or whatever. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Play, playing those guitars behind you on the wall, if they're yours, of course. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Now, um, you know, yours may be, and I mean this respectfully, to some of the younger drummers, may be a name that they perhaps might not recognise, you know. Um, yeah. But that we're going to, put that right today and uh, we're going to let them know exactly what you've done over the last I don't know I'm, I'm guessing 40 years it's something along those lines 30 or 40 years at least yeah yeah I mean I'm starting from about 1980 beginning of 84 hmm. yeah I mean not not so much in the last um, you know 10 years maybe but uh, you know it's uh I did a lot in the 80s and 90s yeah that one yeah. So let let well let's go back to the beginning. Where, where did it where did music kind of catch fire for you, Mark? Where was where where did it all start? It all started in Nelson Lancashire, where I was born. Um, and my mates had guitars, and I wanted to desperately be in the scene, mm. if you know what I mean. But guitar looked a bit hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> they needed a drummer. So I, I just kind of played somebody else's kit one time who couldn't be there, got the bug. I think the first thing I ever played was Jailhouse Rock, probably just hitting everything at the same time. But to me, that was just the best thing ever, sure. you know, and um, that's where it started. We were very into early status quo, um, that kind of thing. John Coglin was a massive influence on me. And we... Um, yeah, we just played like, you know, schoolmates in a band. And that's where it all started. We got in working men's clubs up north very early. I was playing there at 15 years old, you know, um, doing covers, obviously. Sure, but sure. Uh, it, was, it was all great fun. You know, we just loved it. Yeah. I That's mean, where it all started. Of course, every drummer watching this will 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 totally get what you're saying there. You know, you just it's yeah. just that first time playing and then going out. Yeah. I, mean, I I I used to so look forward to gigs when I was when I was a teenager. It'd be it'd be so exciting, yeah. you know. Not so much now, yeah. but then definitely. Um, yeah. No, I totally get that. And then so obviously you were out gigging about. And you say social clubs a great grounding for um yeah for a band or any clubs. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean really northern ones, you know what I mean? That the concert sec and everything, you know, and I can remember once our first band, we were called Exodus, but then we split up and then reformed. So we call ourselves Exodus 2, you know, <laughs> because we're very influenced by Prog and everything as well. Yeah, of course. And I remember the concert secretary at one place going, and now for your entertainment and dancing, Exodus 2. Do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, you know that's oh, my first band. But hey, what a yeah. training ground it really is! You know, if you can survive a yeah. working men's club, you can survive yeah. anything. I think. Yeah, 
But, and uh, then I became, a, actually, I became a resident drummer mm-hmm. at one club with um, just me and Jack on the organ. And we used to back all the turns that came down. And, you know, you, you could have an opera singer and then a kind of a duo and then a guitar vocal. And, you know, it was, it was yeah. brilliant. And Jack got more drunk as the, as the night went on, yeah. you know, and he was reading the dots. I couldn't read dots. You know, the opera singer gave me dots and I, I just looked at them and thought, well, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I've never heard of Blaze Away. You, you know, <laughs> man, what do you do to that? You know, <laughs> so I did something, God knows what, but. Well, a few simple yeah, 12 here and there and that'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what happened then? I mean, education wise, did you did you take a, a formal music education as well as your, uh, you know, your. No, no. I went to art college okay. and uh, I, got, um, I got a degree in the end in graphic design, uh, but music was always my love. You know, I was, I was desperate to be in a band. I've been in bands with my mates. Uh, we moved to, I moved to London, like I said before, to mm-hmm. uh, try and get a job in an advertising agency. And my heart wasn't in it. So I joined a band and... Um, me and my mates were just in there. You know, it took about three years, to be honest, mm. signing on, you know, and going to auditions uh, because the first band I was in, we tried to get a deal, didn't happen, that sort of thing. Went to auditions, auditioned for ACDC, but I was only about nine stone. And I looked about 11, you know, so <laughs> it, now, just, it, it just didn't work, you know. Is, would this have been... Um... Would this have been the ACDC audition that Simon Wright got eventually? Um, I'm not sure what his name was. It was, yeah, one that, um, it was about 1981 or two. Yes. Something like that. And um, I played, I can remember going down to Nomi Studios. Yeah. And none of the band were there. It was just the crew. Was it his his Welsh drum tech? The Welsh drum tech, was it him? To be honest, I don't know, but is I saw the sonar kit. Yeah. It was it was his kit. Yeah. And I got behind and what they had to what they made us do was they plug, you know, I I'd heard Black Dog, yes, obviously, but I, you know, playing it to a cassette Tricky. is a different thing, you know, if you can understand that. Yeah. All those there's three different bits in it in there that you have to know. Yes you know, the different sections. And I knew kind of what it went like, but to try and play that to a cassette without ever having played it before, it was just a disaster, you know. <laughs> uh, but I had a go, and then another, and they played another song, which was a bit easier, but, you know, I knew it wasn't to be. Yeah. But just to be there was brilliant. Play, playing, um, you know, the, the that Sona kit oh. was... Um, it's great, you know, the wood one. I've seen it in pictures. Yeah. You know, with the two toms on the, yeah. Well, it, it's um, funny. Um, Simon Wright, the guy who got the gig, has also, who's also been yeah. on here, he told a similar story and it said, you know, about yeah. uh, Trumpet wanted must hit hard. And he told me yeah. about Black Dog as well and um, got the call mm. back the next day. So it re- really interesting right. to, hear, to hear your your yeah. you know, your side of it as well. So that's that's brilliant. Yeah. I, lo- I love hearing stuff like that. So well, he looked like more like the right kind of thing. I want ready for yeah. ACDC. I, I, I'd go to anything to mm. to try and um, be in them. But you know, I can remember sending. You know, Melody Maker was a big thing for me answering at classified so that's how you got the gigs in those days in a way it wasn't word of mouth it was that and jethro tull were um put a, an ad in it's when uh, I, I don't know barry Bolland must have left or something oh, i didn't i didn't know but i didn't know how good i didn't know how good you had to be to be in jethro tull you know what i mean i was nowhere near good enough but i sent a cassette and i got a reply a couple of weeks later or something saying oh sorry but the drum throne has been taken by s- someone else thanks for your cassette and i thought oh that's fair enough you know what i mean that's uh you know but 
I thank God I didn't get it. You know, I was nowhere near good enough to be in Jethro Tull. <laughs> well, you've got to be in these things to win it, haven't you? That's the way it is. And and, and it's all part, yeah. of your, part of your story, isn't it? Which I love. I think it's great. So Yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, um, I have to mention Nick Kershaw. How yeah, how long how long did that um, sort of how long was it before that came around after all the things you're talking about now? Yeah, okay. Well, I went to loads of auditions and and had a band and stuff. But and from about 1980 till 83. Yeah. At the end of 1983, about December time, I went to an audition. Another melody maker um, classified ad went down. Um, the band were called Downbeat. And uh, it was a uh, was it Alaska or Arctic? Uh, anyway, somewhere down South London way, mm-hmm. um, rehearsal studio, and uh, I played with them. And the manager was there as well, sitting in listening. They were trying to get a drummer, obviously. And um, so I played with them, got on well, played well, sounded good. And um, then I got offered the job, not on the spot, but by phone, you know. Uh, just before Christmas, they said they're having a break at Christmas, bring me back in January, and then we'll get the gig sorted out. I think they wanted to do a little tour, you know. Yeah. So I did that. When it, I went back up to Burnley, mum and dad's for Christmas, came back. I was only like 20, how old would be, 20, 23 at the time. Yeah. And um, I rang the manager up who turned out to be Mickey Modern, who was Nick Kershaw's manager. And, uh, but I didn't know that. And he said, I've been thinking about um, this uh, gig and I think that you'd probably be better suited for another act of mine who's coming up. He's got an album recorded and about to come out. Um, would you be interested in that? The thing is, I'd heard uh, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down I think it had been released once, but didn't, you know, didn't do it. Uh, and I'd heard it and thought, oh, that sounds better than Downbeat, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah. I thought, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And uh, really, so he put, Mickey was putting a band together to promote Nick's first album, yeah. um, which he'd already recorded with a bunch of session men. And, you know, Charlie Morgan yes. on drums, uh, Peter Collins producing. Uh, so that so the first week of rehearsals, I suppose, was was like an audition, really. I didn't audition for Nick. Yeah. It, you know, really, apart from that first week, if we didn't cut it, then it would have been, see you later, you yeah, know. Of course. Um, so we... Started rehearsing and um, the whole band hadn't been found yet. So the keyboard player was not Tim yet, Tim Moore, who was the main man mm-hmm. in the end. Um, I had my mate on guitar and keyboards, who Keith Airy was um, the guy in the end. You know, things didn't work out for a couple of guys. Danny Smith was a bass player who came in from Secret Affair that Mickey knew that he did work out. So me and Dennis were the rhythm section. Then another, then Tim just walked in with a, a moog under his arm. You know, it wasn't even a case or anything. I don't know where he'd come from. I must have heard about the fact that somebody needed a keyboard player and um, he came in and played and sort of thought, oh, yeah, because the other guy really wasn't happening. So Tim got the gig, and then it was like relentlessly trying to find this guitarist keyboard player. Yeah. My mate didn't get it because his keyboards let him down. Right. Keith came in, but he was absolutely brilliant. You know, he, he was, uh, you know, Keith, Airy, Don Airy's brother. Yes, yes indeed. Uh, been in a million bands, you know, he can play anything. Um, and um, that, that became the band then, that for the first lineup um and uh we we had a a small club tour booked actually but then wouldn't it be good came out and went you know really big really quickly uh so they scrapped the club day so one club gig in london became four hammersmith odians wow 
you know what I mean? As, as quick as that, you know. Yeah. And, and the rest of the British tour was this the different cities equivalent to Hammersmith Old, you know, Apollo Edinburgh Playhouse and yeah. all that stuff. Sure. You know what I mean? Um, so it just went from nothing to huge, yeah. you know, with the the um, um, response and the, you know, was it was like, we had to be really loud to just get over the noise, yeah. you know. Almost you know, like, it, almost Beatles-esque in some, in some respects. It, it really was like that, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you have to have St. John's Ambulance dragging people out and stuff. I mean, that's not a, you know. It's it's just that's how it was, you know what I mean. And it was hysteria, um, and brilliant for a young band, you know. And, and playing Nick's stuff was just brilliant. That first out, all his albums are great, but yeah. that first album when I was practicing to it and learning it, it was just I thought, well, there's nobody like this at all. No. no. You know, and the the drum parts were tricky in places to get the right feel, you know, but, you know, it got harder and harder as the albums went on, in yeah. a way, you know. But um, the first album was definitely playable, and I loved playing along, you know, with click tracks and bass sequences, like on Cloak and Dagger, and, you know, I mean, I love playing along to stuff like that. Uh, and locking in hmm. uh, dancing girls is another one. Um, it, it was just a brilliant, brilliant time. We were just a few young guys having a brilliant time. Nick was just flying. He'd come out, you know, he was a very shy yeah. guy, you know, but when, you know, as soon as he was on stage yeah. with everything going so well you know what i mean he, he, he thrived on it i, I mean yeah, I, i'm uh, a, i truly believe that that nick Kers nick kershaw is a genius i really do some of the some of the songs he's written over the years are just phenomenal really well are. i think genius is a word that i would use if mm. you'd ask me one word to describe nick yeah i would have used the same word yeah. because his musicality mm. and his way of changing you know, from going from one section to the next, and always, um, you know, the way he, he programmed keyboards as well. You know, what you hear on the record is maybe Wicks doing it. Yeah. You know, on a fair light. Yeah. But you listen to the demo; it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but on a on a you know a, on, just on a porter studio yes but course. he's programmed it so it's like he's like said to wicks do this properly will you you know what i mean uh or peter collins would have or something you know um I, well. and yeah it's absolute genius and um yeah i mean i couldn't believe my luck to be honest to, to have such a to be in such a good thing that was um so well received and you know, we're on the telly all the time and traveling all over the world. And, you know, it, it was brilliant. And, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about it, to be honest. It, it must have been so exciting because, you know, you, you, yeah. you, you know, you, it's what, 23, 24, maybe 25. Young guys going out, seeing and doing all this, playing great songs. Doesn't get any better, does it? I don't think. They, they don't really know. Yeah. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, it just went on. Um, the first album, we went and promoted that in um, Europe and Britain. You know, big British tour, then a big European tour. Um, but then you needed to write another album yeah. because the pressure was on, you know, record company. And I can remember um, listening you know, walking around, and Nick would be as we're traveling around in in say Germany or in places, it'd be going. You know, he's obviously writing. Yeah. You know, I can remember him doing that. I think afterwards, I think he was writing Roses then. Wow. You, you know that song Roses? Yes, I do. You know, it's a brilliant thing. And um, so he was having to write the Riddle album while we were on tour, 
wow. playing the first album. Um, so there's you a, know, and, uh, the difficult second album it. wasn't a difficult second album. It was brilliant again, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, and it was um, it was a bit difficult for for me to be honest because uh, what happened was um, Mickey wanted me to play on the album because yeah. we were the you know, but Peter Collins didn't. Right. It was obvious. Yeah. He didn't. What happened? You know, if he wanted Charlie again, he wanted security, tightness, sound, ability, you know what I mean? All the things that he had. He, he didn't want to produce an album with an unknown, you know, to him. And um, what happened was, um, Psalm East was the place down in um, East London. Yeah. And, um, I went down there thinking, great, I'm going to start, you know, doing the second album. But uh, so he was a stickler for being on the click, you know. And um, we, we we played first song. I can't remember what it was, but we went and we played it. And I'd been practising for a good week. Mickey had put me in Easy High every North, North London yeah. on my own for a week to, to play along to the cassette. Yeah. of the demos, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I knew what I was doing. and um, But I wasn't Charlie Morgan and to Peter Collins. And he, um, he he nearly destroyed me, to be honest. He, um, you know, the first song, it was like we put it down. And Julian Mendelssohn was the um, engineer. And uh, I went in and I thought that went well. And Julian Mendelssohn was all thumbs up. And, uh, and then Peter... Colin said, uh, yeah, that bass drum there. Yeah. Mm, it's a bit off the click. <sighs> you know, you know, something that you could very easily put it's, right now, but yes. back then no. you had to get it right from beginning to okay. end. Okay. You know, if, unless it was a drop-inable section with no symbols or anything, but it didn't want to try. So I said, let's move on. So I thought, oh, God. Well, there's one gone, you know, and then the same sort of thing. You know, he only given me one try hmm. in each song. Okay. Um, his mind was made up, wasn't it, already? It's made up. And by the fourth or fifth song, I couldn't even tell him what my name was. Hmm. Never mind, played the drums, you know, and I went on very, very, very disappointed and despondent, you know. Yeah. Um, but I got over it and realised that, you know, I was very, very young. Sounded great, the album. I was still the live drummer. Yeah. I'm going to go on tour, I'm going to play it, and I'll copy Charlie, and that's, you know, thank God. You know what I mean? It didn't all go <laughs> pear-shaped. And uh, off we went and uh. went from strength to strength. I got onto the third album where Nick produced, but he wanted every big name he could get on that right. album. You know, it's like it's just getting harder and harder to emulate. You know, yes. I'm still the live drummer, but you've got... Simon Phillips, yes. Mark Brzezicki, um, who else? Uh, God, you know, a lot of program stuff as well. Of course. Um, and um, so, you know, still having to emulate people. Luckily, yeah, we did have to. I, <laughs> I forgot to say about, you know, Gary Wallace had come into the band at, um, in between those two albums. We did the first album as a, um, what was it, Tim? Dennis, as a five piece. Yeah. Uh, Nick wanted percussionist or something, you know. Nick, and then Gary came in. We'd known him. He was in the Style Council and we kind of nicked him. Uh, well, not we, the management, I, you know, um, did. And um, so um, Gary came in and um, uh, sorry, I forgot what I was saying now. What was I saying that for? Um, you're saying in between the first and second albums, or second, and yeah, third yeah. Album, sorry. yeah, yeah, things start to get harder. That's it, yeah, yeah that's and, it. Um, and so the Simon Phillips one, there's one called uh, Don't Let Me Out of My Cage, which is a real fast thing, you know what I mean? It's a bit tricky. So me and Gary we split it between us, yeah, he was doing the and I was, you know, like over this. So, but it sounded really good. Yeah. Uh, but it was getting harder. Mark Brzezicki's parts, you know, his first time was a song called Life's a Bitch and Then You Die, Labberted. 
um, you know, where in, you know, the bridge bit into the chorus was a double paradiddle between two hi-hats, you know, <laughs> okay. things like that, you know. Not your standard not, pop fare. No, not really, to click as well yeah, yeah. every night, you know. So, so it was, I don't know, when I think back, I, I, you know, I kind of get butterflies thinking about, my God, how did you do that, you know, every night? I'm not, you know, be scared to death, but... um Wow. I kind of managed it, you know what I mean? And um, it was, if if you weren't good enough, Nick wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be keen. Yeah, so it was, a, you know, we were a really, really good band. We got it together. We we, we emulated what we could, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, Mark, I can remember Mark Brzezicki coming to a gig and saying, Oh God, you, you you got that and you did that, you know, the, the bits that he did, you know what I mean? I was made sure and practiced so much, you know, to get it right. Yeah. And um, you know, I mean that is the key, just to just to keep, you know, practicing, isn't it? You know, and do as much as you can. And um, you know, but I've never been a big rudiments mm. guy, to be honest. I think that double paradiddle sort of thing between the two hi-hats it's probably one of the only ones I could think of I've ever played in a song you know what I mean apart from I think there's a seven stroke roll beginning of the riddle yeah yeah you know the military thing but I didn't even know it was a seven stroke roll you know what I mean I just heard it and thought it just you know and emulated it you know Um, so yeah um, but Nick Kershaw yeah, what a guy. Genius. Thank you, Nick. You know, you okay. were brilliant. Now, now any, anybody, anybody, yeah, of course. Any, anybody that knows me um, <clears throat> knows that I'm an obsessive about Live Aid and it epitomizes the 80s. Yeah. Great music, great bands. Um, yeah. Interesting um, sort of looks going on with all the mullets and everything. But Live Aid is the thing that's responsible for me picking up drumsticks. So it means an awful lot to me. And uh, well, I've already I, spoken. I, I, yeah. Got, I've spoke to Steve White, obviously, who was on the Style Council. I yeah. Spoke, spoke to Charlie, who was with Elton that day. And I, yeah. I've spoken to Kenny Jones, who was with The Who that day. So you're my fourth, yeah. my fourth encounter with a Live Aid drummer. So I'm thrilled. So talk us through that, because that must yeah. have been the quickest 20 minutes of your life. <laughs> well, to, yeah, okay. Well, um, to be honest, Matty, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Mm. And great to be there, but I was so glad once we'd I'd come off and I hadn't messed up. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was probably the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done. Mm. You know. Um, it was, I mean, I've, I've written a few notes here to, to have a look down. I mean, there were various things. Like, uh, I can remember, so, we were all so hyped up, you know what I mean? And I don't know if you saw that drama uh, about Live Aid. Yes, um, I did. Where somebody played Bob Gilder. I don't remember who it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I saw that, and it was very, inter- very interesting, because it, it put across the whole revolving stage thing and the technical issues and everything. Um, and I can remember being at the side of the stage. Um, and uh, I mean, I was, you know, you can see the whole of Wembley there and it's a big, massive affair. <laughs> and this stage hand said to me, um, okay, when I tell you to go on, you know, he was trying to tell me that what to do. Yeah. But I just heard go on. <laughs> I started to run on. And he grabbed, whoops, he grabbed me and um, said, no, 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 when I tell you to go on, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, um, you know, and and that thing of, like, feeling kind of almost sick because you're so nervous. Um, it was, uh, but, uh, but then we get on there and um, what else? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a few things that were, uh, which were definitely worrying because um with my headphone amp had blown up so it just didn't work so they got an, another one in for yeah. the click tracks because yeah. three of the tracks were all to click yeah and um we hadn't had a chance to fiddle with it and set 
a volume. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, so you oh. know, I, had, uh, I had a count in, always had a count in the two bars. Listen yeah. to the first bar, count in the second bar. Yeah, one for you, one for the band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it started, you know, the first thing, and I was thinking, you know, I had it there thinking, right, I'm, I'm ready to either turn it down or turn it up, or I didn't know what was going to be the deal. Yeah. Luckily, thank God, it was just right. <laughs> Can you believe the look of that? Oh. And, um, you know, it's um, so off we go. Um, and um, and just getting through the whole thing without making any mistakes. And like the riddle intro, you know, I'm going to go around that section, a two-bar section, six times. Yeah. Now, you might think well, that's easy, you know, just count six times. You know, but when you get to four, you're thinking... Is that four? Was, was that four? <laughs> you know, I start to really think big time. Because you've got to be, you know, in time with the sequence for the whole song, the arrangement. Yeah. So, you know, so that was a big thing on my own. And, you know, one and a half billion people <laughs> watching, you know. So it was like... But it, I, I managed to count six and got it right. And... Um, but... Um, Nick forgot the words for um, wouldn't it be good? Yep. You know, everybody was nervous. And yep. Nick he, he, he did the second um, verse, and it, it, you can see him go. Is he, um, forget? He sings the same as in the first verse, but it's because he's so panicked. He takes it up an octave, you know, and sings a totally different melody. You know, <laughs> I think I was always thinking, oh no, I don't know what the words are. What gonna do? Because that was the last. Um, that was the last song of the set, wasn't it? Wouldn't it be good? I think. I think it was. Yeah, I don't know what the order was in the end. Um, th there's another bit where a MIDI note must have stuck on. Oh god! Like it's like just going. Eh! And I can see Keith. I want to watch it. He's like looking around, thinking, "Well, it's not me," you know. And and it wouldn't be Tim just playing a note, you know, on the keyboard. So there were issues and and things, you know, that were going a bit awry but no one really noticed but no. we did and then there's dennis on bass he's like because don quixote is such a uh a bass sequence thing he had to play cabasa just like i felt real sorry for him you know what i mean he was like <laughs> you know just stood there playing this cabasa um <laughs> you know um but um you know that it, it was a brilliant time and i couldn't um I wouldn't have missed it for the world, obviously. It's, um, you know, um, I, I can remember it really well, um, being picked up by, you know, I lived in Palmer's Green in a semi-detached, just a, had a room in a, like a studenty place, you know what I mean? And a, a limousine comes, you know what I mean, to pick up all the band. But I think it came to me first, <laughs> you know, you can see like curtains twitching. And What's he doing? <laughs> Getting into that, you know what I mean? Love it. Um, you know, yeah, things like that. Um, yeah, but what what a day. And um, managed to watch all the other bands. I can remember talking to Andy Newmark. Oh, wow, yeah. As I was checking my drums backstage, he was checking his. Little did he know, you know, everything was going to go right for me, yeah. but not for him. Mm. Because his tom skin went <laughs> when he got on, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's, it's, it's rack tom. You know, just imagine that. No, you know, it's, no, it's not good, is it? No. But he was a, ever such a nice guy, a big hero. I'm a huge Roxy Music fan. Same. Um, you know, um, and just to talk to him, you know, yeah. as a drummer to drummer was was really good, you know. But that day, it, it, you know, it's funny. I mean, I would have been, um, oh, gosh, what, how old were I? Uh, 85 I'd have been, 11, I think. And I remember watching it just, yeah. mesmerized and i'm watching it thinking every one of these musicians lives in a mansion and they've been helicoptered it or you limoed in and you've just said you're yeah. living in a basically student housing and yeah. i've got it i've got it in my head yeah you know it's it's all there it's done and isn't it strange you know and and yeah, yeah i know yeah and uh, you know and, and i went back to that that night you know <laughs> what a uh, come down <laughs> but yeah, I remember watching the news. I mean, the place was like 
pretty studenty, swirly carpets, and you know, like uh, you know, awful kind of sideboard or something. You know what I mean? And you know, that's the type of thing it was. Um, and um, yeah, I remember watching it was on the uh, something like you know the uh, the the news after the main news, yeah. like. East Midlands today or whatever, that type of thing. It was like, oh, they were building the stage and everything. And I remember thinking, it, oh, oh, my God. You know, we're going to be doing that tomorrow or something or the day after. I and mean, there I am in this little place, you know. Oh, um, but, um, yeah, what, what a day. Well, I remember watching just every band that, that was in a row. I didn't move. My, I was in, um, I was on holiday in Butlins, and it was a scorcher of a day, as you'll know. And Yeah. My, my parents were... <laughs> pretty peeved i wouldn't leave the room i was like no no i'm watching this i'm watching this and um <laughs> i i remember it was uh, you had a, actually you had a really good sound nick kershaw elton had a terrible sound but you i remember thinking oh this sound is really good yeah um, it wasn't bad to be honest oh, it was very good considering yeah. everything and but i remember yeah. it, it was looking back now it's so 80s you know the mullets yeah. and remo yeah. pinstripes on everything on your kit snare yeah, yeah. everything re- yeah on the snare yeah yeah but yeah. i liked the sound of that on yeah. the snare it made it really fat yeah absolutely um you know fat was there it wasn't pingy and you know yeah. i had that snare the for the riddle, you know, the more military oh, sounding yeah. to the side. Uh, but I liked the fat snare at the time and it fitted with, you know, Charlie Morgan's sound on yeah. the albums were was quite fat and dry. Yeah. You know, um yeah. Um I was about to say something then, and that's gone as as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you've 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 played some of the best songs in the 1980s for my money because anything Nick Kershaw is usually top class and, and you've said, we've said it and Hey, amazing. Yeah. So at, at once Nick Kershaw, um, you know, once things, I don't know wh- whether you left or what, wh- whatever happened, you ended no, up. I would never have left. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I would have been mad to leave, but yeah. what happened was we got to 1987. Yeah. Um, Radio Musicola, was with, with the third album. Yes. We toured that. We toured that around Britain, Europe. Um, and we went to Israel as well. And I think that Israel was the last tour. But then Nick was going to take some time out because it was sales weren't as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needed to have a think about why we're, and he, he wanted to go to America and he, he he did the album The Works mm-hmm. over there, but he couldn't, he didn't want, you know, paying a retainer for everybody for a year yeah, or more. You know, he wasn't really on his agenda. He thought he had to finish that, you know, that era. Start afresh, yeah. Finish, finish. Start, go off and do that and then come back. And uh, so it kind of came to an end for me, but yeah. not, out of my choice but oh, you know because i loved it the whole time yeah. um it was a sad state of affairs but um I, I i just thought well i've got to find something else so i rang everybody that i knew yeah and one of the uh, guys that uh, i rang was an engineer who i when I, I told you i joined a band when I first moved to London called Motives and we did demos and stuff, yeah. they didn't get a deal, but the demos, were, they were an Ipswich band and he had a, he was the engineer in this eight track studio called Octopus. Mm-hmm. And we went there and we, and I remembered him because he'd come up in the world as well. And I knew that he was doing in bigger studios as an engineer doing stuff. I, I, he was one of the people I rang and uh, I asked him if he knew of anything that was going. And he said, well, actually, I'm at Ridge Farm mm-hmm. uh, recording this band All About Eve. Um, and, uh, they, you know, Mick Brown from The Mission was doing some tracks, but he wasn't, he could only do a couple. And, uh, and he said, so we're looking for, the, the, you know, they need another one to come down. So, you know, it was, it was a word of mouth thing. Really lucky, you know. I made that call, and that was the outcome. And I went down to Ridge Farm and recorded the first album with All That Eve, you know, all the tracks that Mick hadn't done. Yeah. And then joined. And then that went massive. Yeah. You know? And then off I went. 
with all that Eve until 1919. Amazing. Uh, and, you know, but do you know, having uh, Nick Kershaw's name under your belt, you know, this is, yeah. this is my last gig, Live Aid's there for all to see. That's got to yeah. help a little bit, hasn't it? You know, regardless of your talent, uh, sometimes well, you've got honest, a name like that. <laughs> yeah, it didn't help that much with all of our Eve because yeah. they were a darker and yeah. more gothy yeah. and more indie. You know what I mean? So I was a bit of a joke, to be honest, saying, <laughs> what, is Jonathan Dick Kershaw's coming? You know, sort of thing. I can remember, and, uh, remember turning up in a... I can remember wearing, I had some orange Converse boots on, <laughs> some tatty old Levi jeans that you get, you know, that you buy that are all knackered anyway, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and a Captain Scarlet T-shirt. <laughs> you know, it really was a sort of un all about Eve. Not gothic know? in the slightest, yeah. <laughs> no, and, uh, but, you know, got there, Paul Samuel Smith was the producer from the Yardbirds yep. fame. Um, and it was all about music, not about what you were wearing, you know. And um, so track one went in, all went well. Track two, all went well. Three, blah, blah, blah. Great. Brilliant. You know what I mean? Of course. And, uh, and got on really well. And then they needed a live drummer. Meant to be. You know, I thought, well, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so off we went, you know, and it, that went really, really big quite quickly. Of course. You know, album's first album was like number seven, I think, pretty much immediately. Uh, you know, do you know the thing that always makes me smile, though, about this? And, and it's the fact that Martha's Harbour, everyone remembers that. It was the big hit. Not a bloody yeah. drum on it. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been rubbish with a drum on well, it. It would have, but you know, even so, you yeah, think, ruined oh, it. The one big hit, and I'm not on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, Beautiful. you know, I was just pleased that it was a hit. I mean, and they had that big calamity on top of the pops. Remember that? No, I don't. I don't. Well, that's what made it very bigger than it was. Really, was the oh. fact that uh, we got to about number ten. Or something with it, yeah. or or lower down anyway. And um, top of the pops, you know, it's just mined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the um, um, they have a separate feed, I suppose, in the mixing room of top of the pops. One for the studio for the monitors, yeah. One for the telly, mm-hmm. and something had gone wrong. So Tim and Julianne are there waiting for the track to start. Ladies and gentlemen, all about Eve, Martha's Harbour. Yay! And they just sat there. The track started on the TV, but it wasn't coming out in the studio. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, this is a very famous... Um, you've got to look it up on I, YouTube. I will do. First thing I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it looks like they were, like, rebelling against something you know i say no we're on top of the box we're too too kind of gothic you know something for that you know and uh i'm not going to join in so but it wasn't the case this this shouldn't hear nothing was playing so as far as as far as you were aware it hadn't started there was nothing playing at all nothing playing at all but on telly it was halfway through already (laughs) <laughs> and they still hadn't joined in, but then they managed to sort it out. I mean, they've got the stupid AR man saying to them, Do it live, <laughs> you know. But the guitar's not mic'd up, no, and the mic doesn't work, you know what I mean? I mean, how stupid is that? And um, but anyway, it came in eventually, it must have been halfway through the song, and you could see Julianne, she was so fed up you know, with it all. It was, like, so embarrassing. But it was big news. Yeah, of course. You know, and it made it a big hit. <laughs> so, I, I didn't and, know And we were invited back the next week to do it again, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, that... that um, <laughs> you know, and we had eight consecutive top 40 hits, you know. Um, it kind of went... started to slope off. But, you know, still a big fan base. Yeah. 
still did good gigs. Mm. But that came to the end in about 1992. Um, and, um, you know, that was another chapter done. Uh, and then I moved on to, um, I did sessions and stuff. I played with The Cure on Wild Mood Swings. Right. Um, I did um, three tracks on that. Yeah. Because uh, um, Robert Smith, Boris um, Williams left. And um, we'd supported The Cure, you know, all about Eve, um, once somewhere. I can't remember where, to be honest now. It might have been, where was it? No. Um, I'm thinking of somewhere. But we, we supported him anyway. He knew of us. And he, he, um, I auditioned. He had a few drummers. that He wanted a few drummers on the next album. I was one of them that was asked to go and audition, yeah. which I did. And was asked to go down and record and I ended up doing four tracks, three tracks on the album. One track appeared on a, um, well, you might say B side, but yeah. you know what I mean? An extra track yes. on a, a B. Um, and, um, I did a lot of things in that period, playing with, um, various people, um, did programming for people, Sinead O'Connor and Dave Stewart, wow. uh, did stuff for him. And, um, did a film thing, you know, Fever Pitch, that album, yes, I did. Uh, that um, film about yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, the original drums on that. It's mixed with um, original music, you know, like The Who and the, all the other of people, but anything that was, you know, had to be written for yeah. the various scenes. I did that. That was with Neil McCall. Right. It was in the Bible, and uh, it was uh, Kirsty McCall's brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, what else? I did uh, all sorts of stuff in that period. Um, you know, I, my mind's gone blank because there's a, quite a lot of stuff. <laughs> but um, oh, and then Right Said Fred came along. Then he did a live drummer. Yeah. I got that because Tony Perrin was their manager. It used to be all my Eve's manager. Right. So I. Right. Uh, I got um, a year and a half of touring with them. That must have been um, fun. It was absolutely brilliant. You yeah. know, all to click, to everything to click, apart from Deeply Dippy. Yeah. Um, uh, so, it's, you know, I love playing to click. I love playing to sequences yeah. and percussion Same. stuff, yeah. loops, and you know what I mean? It was yeah. just great. And they were brilliant guys. I had a great time with them. And then it was Delamitri. Oh, what a band. What a band. Uh, yeah, great band. Would, would um, you have taken over from uh, what would have been a young Ash Stone then at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, what um, the way I heard it was that um, Ash recorded uh, the another Suckers Parade album. Great album, yes. Um, yeah, and uh, but then I don't know what happened. I don't want to, you know, speculate yeah. or say anything negative about anybody. Um, it didn't work out for him being the live drummer for some reason. Um, so uh, I knew John McLaughlin, who uh, oh, I played with Eileen Rose. He 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 was in a band with her. Um, <laughs> it's all very incestuous, isn't yes, it? Yes, always is. Um, um, who was the guitarist, the other guitarist in Delamitri at the time, uh, and he said. I hear a little bird tells me that they're going to be looking for a drummer. Uh, do you want to go, you know, so I put your name for the, to go and have an audition, which I said, yeah, great. So I went up to Glasgow, auditioned, got the job, uh, joined Delamitri. Wow. So off we went, you know, and um, big, you're straight away. It was a, a big, British tour and then American tour, big American tour. Then, but you know, it's yeah. back and forth. It's doing lots of Europe, and you know, it was a really great band, good rock band as well. You know, Justin Curry is a, another great songwriter, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, his lyrics. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And um, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, that was really great. And, um, you know, and Chris Dollymore was took the place of me and Chris joined at the same time. He did the John McLaughlin job. Yeah. Because John left. Yes. Um, he actually died, actually, not long after that. I, I, he had, um, I think, a very, uh, some sort of diabetes thing going on. I'm not quite sure. But um, 
um yeah chris was in the godfathers the damned yeah great you know brilliant <laughs> play a real you know played it low down yeah great attitude loved him you know what i mean and me and him kind of i think people have said anyway that we rocked it up to a good level you know what i mean Pick up the arse, as they say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite so studioified or whatever. And you know, I knew when to rock out. You know, John Coughlin had taught me how to when to open your hi hats. You know, that, that was a good grounding for me. You know, you'd listen to John Coughlin; he'd be, you know, playing away, open hi hat, and they'd be close for the verse. You know what I mean? And then slowly open them into the core. You know. That was, you know, he taught me a lot, that guy. Yeah. And um, uh, so... I'm, was, I'm, I'm guessing with Delamitri, uh, there wouldn't have been many, if any, click involved, or clicks, I should say. No, no, you're wrong there. It Am was, I really? Um, uh, there was some click involved. Um, yeah. Uh, but not a lot. But as it progressed, and then we did an album, I did... I played on the um uh, it was the greatest hits but we played on a, a few tracks that were done that were then put on the greatest hits then a whole album called um can you do me good which i did all the drums for and yeah. when we toured that album that was there were quite a few songs that had click and you know it was a lot more trying to be a bit more modern yeah you know what i mean it didn't totally work i don't think but um yeah, so, but I was so used to playing to clicks. I've done it my whole professional life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nowadays, if, it, if anybody wanted me to play to a loop, you know, without a click, I would be horrified. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got to have the click. Yeah. You know, I, I never had anything in my, I always, always had what, was on the sequence or whatever you were playing to coming out of the monitors yes. and purely click yeah. in one ear, you know, just because you've got to hold on to that click for dear life. That's your anchor, and, uh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And without some, um, just just to play along to a drum loop without a click, you, yeah. You haven't got that anchor, have you? You're straying, but you know, you're thinking, well, was my bass drum on his bass drum then? Or, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, I wouldn't like that at all. Um, I, I, there have been times when that has happened when I've played with people. Yeah. Uh, I played with a band called, um, I did I did one gig with them, and that was enough, <laughs> called Renegades Soundwave. Okay. It was like an indie thing. Yeah. And, uh, they wanted me to, they had this great loop that they wanted me to play on top of. I don't know what it was. They always robbed it from a great record, maybe Billy Cobham live somewhere or something, you know what I mean? But I only had it in my monitors. And the, the monitors weren't loud enough, yeah. you know. And trying to play, you know, I was playing with, you know, putting my head down like that. No click, and they don't understand, and they were so miserable as well. It was like really hard to work with them. I couldn't bear them, to be honest. And uh, you know, we parted our ways, thank God, just after one gig. But um, yeah, oh, after going from all these great bands to that, and it's just like, oh dear me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't like them. I didn't like them, to be honest. They were, they were too. What do you say? You know, precious. Yeah. About themselves, like oh. it's almost like, and, and I don't know. You were just no time for somebody that. to come along, you know. I don't know, but they didn't have it set up right for me to play along to properly. But I didn't like that. But uh, well, look, Mark, yeah. we're, we're kind of heading towards the end now. But what what are you up yeah. to at the moment? Are you are you still doing a bit? I can see some guitars on the wall behind you. You obviously do a bit of um, a bit of bit of everything. Yeah, but now. that's the, the, my boy. You know, I'm, I've got kids. My, yeah. my boy Isaac, he's yeah. a big guitar. He loves guitars. Yeah, you know, he's he's like, and I'm teaching him drums. He's 16 yeah. now. Yeah, uh, my boy. My, my I've been married twice. The yeah. first. Um, um, Child is <laughs> Joe. He's he's in uh, he's um, in uh, Holly Cook. I don't even know Paul Cook's um, the drummer from 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Based on Holycombe reggae uh, artist uh, and Gentleman's Dub Club, he does with them, and a guy called Maverick Sabre. He oh, plays yes. guitar. Yeah, right, okay. So, yeah, so Joe's doing all that stuff. He's Brilliant. followed in the footsteps. Yeah. Um, Isaac's got the bug. <laughs> um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's really got the bug. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? He's, he's got to that point where, you know, we tried to get him into guitar lessons earlier when he was, I don't know, six years ago or something. Yeah. He's just not interested at all. Mm. You know what I mean? Couldn't be bothered with it at all. But this second time, it's only been going on just like a year and a half now. It's amazing. You know, it's like he's picked it up so much. You know, he's going to, uh, he's going to do something with it. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But now I, I play in a, covers band just yeah. locally because i've got a job yeah. and stuff you know it's it's kind of all over in the in the big yeah you've, way you've, you've finally the, grown up and got a grown-up job <laughs> well recently yeah i know but oh, uh, i had a bit of a thing recently right out of the blue um i'm not going to say the name because i don't want it to uh if anybody sees that, that might be relevant to to think yeah. that they were second choice. Yeah, but I've of got offered something recently, right out of the blue, which was like go oh, around four continents for fifteen months. Um, but having th- thought about it a lot, reality kicked in about the fact that I couldn't be away that long anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, I didn't know whether you know, I could. Actually, you know, I'm not a spring chicken either. You know what I mean? And but it um, it it was a, it was a big deal, and yeah. I really thought about it, and then and then decided not to. Then regretted it and asked yeah. if it was still going. And then you know, it's all oh, got a bit that, of a nightmare. That must have been but, a hard um, decision to make. It it kind of was, and um, you know, it was disappointing on for them and for me. Because they wanted me, and I wanted to do it, mm. but it's it, it's kind of too late yeah. in a way for something that big. Yeah. To you know, I'm not saying it was big, big, and like joining U2 or something, but I mean, um, it was very big in the 80s and 90s, and sure. you know, friends of mine, and it, it but it, it didn't work out, yeah. and um, because I said, you know, I, I you know, we've had personal things going on in my life with my wife now she was very very ill and you know got through it though uh and it was like this isn't the right time you know what i mean i had to you know the thought of doing it was great but i I just had to let it go you know and uh, but i've got a covers band we we play pubs and things all around here and I keep my hand in and I love playing in fact the covers band's one of the hardest gigs I've ever done you know because you, <laughs> yeah. you know it's like a rock classics and yeah. you know you go from Van Halen to Basket Case to you know it's one after the other yeah. very very tiring <laughs> you know oh. it's like you know well so um I'll tell you what you've had some career and, and I know you're still doing it and I don't mean to sound disrespectful you know obviously no 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 but we know your your massive time was kind of eighties into to nineties, and yeah, you, you know you've 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 played some of the best songs in some of the best venues with some of the best musicians, and it doesn't get any better than that in my book, you know. So we can all aspire I, to uh, to take something from that. I think so. Well, I've had a I've had a a good time of it. You know what I mean? I've had, some people do it a little bit, and then it all ends. Yeah. You know, I got twenty odd years out of it. Yeah, you know, uh, at, at at the proper level for you know, like a professional would, and um, you know, I've been all over the world, everywhere you can go, you know, and uh, played some good things on albums. I hope, yeah. you know, so you know, I've done well. You've left, you've left quite a, quite a legacy behind you. So um, it's amazing, you know, and uh, and I I have to say thank you very much and. Uh, Thank you to our our buddy Steve Barney for uh, for for setting this up as well. Another another great drummer. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, Steve. thanks to Steve. Yeah, but he was. Uh, oh, I, you know, I contacted him recently about something to do with that last gig that I was uh, right. telling you about. You gotcha. know, 
still just trying to blag some gear, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, yeah, uh, that's the Natal connection. But um, it did, you know, then I put an end to it, so it didn't matter anymore. But anyway, Steve put me on, and um, I've never met him. I Have mean, you not? But he's a, a lovely guy. He's uh, a great guy. Know, um, yeah, and uh, well, look, um, look, Matty, thank you for, um, you know, the pleasure. It's so easy. Pleasure was all mine. Trust me. Uh, you've told quite a story, and and I know everybody watching or listening, depending how they listen, um, will enjoy yeah. this thoroughly. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and hopefully we can uh, meet up in person. I can shake your hand and say thank you. No, thank you, Matty. That's great. Good. Thanks, Mark. Right. Take care, mate. Thanks Bye-bye. a lot. Bye bye.